Pastor Elvis Joseph has obtained both a bachelor's and master's degree and a doctorate in theology. However, more important than those degrees, he has obtained a greater degree of biblical truth in theology. Are you ready to face the truth? Face the Truth is the weekly podcast of the True Church of Olathe, Kansas. Now here is the guest host for today's podcast. Hello and welcome back to Face the Truth. This week we will rejoin our sub-series in interviewing men who have come directly from the work in Africa. The story of the man that we're going to talk to this week is especially fascinating to me. His name is Elvis Joseph, and his name is not the only thing that's interesting about him. He's a very smart man and very studious. Based on my short interaction with him, I note the passion with which he serves the Lord. I think you will be blessed by this week's conversation as we jump right into it. Pastor Joseph, I appreciate the opportunity to have this discussion with you. I've attempted to have this discussion with you for a few months now, and just time and circumstance would not permit. Certainly, you are a busy man working for the kingdom of God. Bishop Brigham has made mention of you many times in my conversations with him and has spoken in high regard of you. He places a lot of confidence in you, and Brother Stewart does as well. I would like to start out by introducing you to the Face of the Truth audience. Do you mind introducing yourself, provide information about who you are and where you're from? Uh, good evening. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Elvis Joseph. I'm a bona fide Zimbabwean. A bona fide Zimbabwean. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in Zimbabwe and still in Zimbabwe. I had the privilege to travel to other countries, but I'm still back in Zimbabwe. I'm married to one wife. Uh, her name is Rutendo, and God has blessed us with two children. Uh, they are girls, which are now four years. One is four years, and the other one is eight years. They are four years different. And we, I reside in Tari, that's the eastern part of, of Zimbabwe, where all the wise men come from. Do you pastor a church there in Mutari? Yes, we pastor a church there in Mutari. Well, I am pleased to make your acquaintance. I've never met you personally. Pastor Riggan, I know, intends to go back to Africa. And if he does and he extends the invitation to me, I fully intend to make the trip. And if I do, I would love to meet you. As I mentioned, I've heard many things. Did you grow up in the nation of Zimbabwe, specifically in that city, Mutari? No, I was born in Harare and then I did my primary studies there. I moved to another city in the middle or in the middle of Zimbabwe that's called Kwekwe. And I did my secondary studies there. Uh, that's where a lot of things began to change for me spiritually. And there was some transformation there. I also later moved to another city closer to Harare, about 100 kilometers, which is two hours drive from Kwekwe. Uh, and also it's between Kwekwe and Harare. And then I also moved to Harare and then finally moved to Mutare uh, in 2007. And what caused you to move to Mutare in 07? Oh, by then I was moved. I was actually sent to go and uh, establish an assembly there with the, from, from the church that I was part of. 
That's what caused me to move to Mutare. It wasn't my assignment to go and plant a church. My assignment was to go and uh, and use one house that was available, waiting for the pastor who was supposed to plant the church. I eventually started to preach to people. Up until now, that pastor hasn't come. Maybe he's still coming. <laughs> well, uh, oh, it's a good thing that you decided to occupy while he came. Yeah, it's about 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. How old are you, Dr. Joseph? Uh, now I'm 36. 36. Wow. Young man. Started as a young man. So you were 21 when you began that church? Yeah, by then I was 21. But, you know, something that happened with me is God saved me at age of 14. And I was used in a number of church leadership programs. I, I loved, what I loved most was intercession when I was saved. So I would love to pray. And then later on, I got the responsibility to lead groups. I led the youth group, but I was still doing my secondary school, my secondary studies then. So when, before I finished my secondary studies, that's when I felt the calling of God on my life. And I decided to apply for, to go to a Bible school and attended the Bible school. So I didn't do anything apart from ministry. I just studied from, from, from secondary school straight up to, to Bible school and to becoming a minister of the gospel. That's what I did. And that has been my whole life. That Bible school that you attended, was that also in that area in Zimbabwe? I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was in Kwekwe, yes. Uh, that's okay. where I attended school. Yes, it was very oh. close. Uh, what was that like? Uh, you mentioned that was a, an integral part of your life. That was an important point in your life that caused you, you felt the calling into the ministry. Can you expound a little bit on that and share how you began your ministry at that point as a young man? Yeah, you know, being, uh, being saved at, at a very tender age, having a lot of zeal and uh, passion, desire to do the things of God. Like I'm remembering it at the school I was studying, I was already nicknamed pastor because I was leading the, the, the groups at the school uh, for services, devotions, prayers, and the preachings. And at one time, I felt a strong conviction that God was calling me to save him and commit my life as a minister of the gospel for my life. I made that decision. But one thing that I love about that, or that was amazing about that is I got that conviction when we were, we were on our vacation and I was about to go into the final term or final semester for my secondary studies. And I applied to a Bible school then. So I went to, for, I went to sit for my final exams, knowing already the, the path I decided or the path I was going to go for and, 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 and the career or whatever, maybe the destiny that I decided to, to be part of. That's how my... My, my, my transformational experience started it was from that deep conviction that I felt God was speaking to me that I was to save him and live my life as a minister of the gospel. Did you have a pastor at that time? Yes, I had the pastor and uh, I, didn't, I, I, I consulted him and he told me to pray about it more. But I knew that was, that was a conclusion already because I had nothing to decide on that until I was fully released to go to the Bible school. The, the principal and, and the other lecturers at the Bible school, they had to go into a meeting to discuss because I was about 17 years mm. uh, when I made an application. 
and one of the one of one of one of the leaders in the school says okay let's take him but i will be he actually signed up for me and says he will be responsible for me until i finish the school and that was the beginning of everything that school no doubt instilled some discipline study the ability to to derive information from the word of god we'll get into this in a little bit how you're introduced to the truth but as a young man in college 17 years old getting into bible school what kinds of impressions were made upon you yeah a lot of discipline was uh, on character was on prayer was also on studying the word of god that gave me practical hands-on to the to the ministry and know what i was um, going to experience for mm. the rest of my life so i i i, I like the internship because uh, it was it was like hands on. It was like every day. It was that was the studies I went for that for at that school was for two years. That was ministry internship for two years, uh, staying under on uh, going to the to the lectures every day and them monitoring and being accountable to them for those for that period. I see. So you graduated from school two years later. Yeah. After that, we just did uh, two years. But they call it. Yeah, certificate was two years biblical studies. Did you further your studies after that? Yes, I furthered my studies with another institute that focused on leadership. I did four years with them. And then later on, I also enrolled with another institute that was doing uh, theology. I did uh, a BA with them, a degree program. did master's with them. I did a doctorate with them. Wow. So studious man that we're speaking to today. And we're not talking very long ago, right? We're talking perhaps two or three years. Uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong there. But when you converted to accepting apostolic doctrine of the message of being baptized in Jesus name, receiving the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues, the necessity of that salvific process, how did you integrate that into what you had already learned? through those extended number of years in study. I want to appreciate Bishop Regan because that was a, a great moment for me. It was that's about 2018 uh, in Mutari when uh, Bishop Regan came with the A to Z team. That was with, he was with Brother Stewart, yes. Yes. They had the three days program. I did not attend the whole three days actually. I came on the last day. When and, you say uh, the three-day program, are you referring to the Truth Conference? Yes, the Truth Conference. Yes, that was the three-day apostolic conference. So they were teaching in, in, our, in our city, and I only attended one day. That was the final day. I go to the meeting, and uh, Bishop Regan was talking about the Godhead, and he was explaining and defining he or Israel, the Lord your God is one, and he was questioning the elements about the the trinity and explaining more clearly the truth and he was actually defining it and, and actually bring clarity on 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 some of the elements as the trinitarians use like genesis chapter number one verse 27 when he says let us make men and he he explained about the plural of majesty because that's one of the bases uh which is used to explain that god uh, is, is the, the trinity the three in one uh, concept but he explained the plural of majesty and I understood it from there. And he went on to speak a number of aspects that would uh, would make sense or would, would actually touch my heart and try to 
to align myself to that kind of truth. He even spoke about the psalm that Jesus quoted when he was on the cross, which was in evidence that he was he wasn't crying to the Father because right. he had been forsaken. He had been forsaken in all that Eloi, Eloi, crying out loud that most people used. And he he he, he, he said Jesus was narrating the song and yes. began to know that that was a song and it was not it was not Jesus who was forsaken. So all that in that session, you know, there was some some strong conviction in that service, and I desired to speak with him. So after the session, we had a conversation, and I I began to ask him a lot of questions because I was not part of the whole presentation when everything was done. So I asked him a lot of questions, and he got time to speak to me. And when he got back to speak and to teach and emphasized about baptism. I knew I had been baptized the same way in Jesus' name. But one question that struck me there was, do you, what did, the, did the person who baptized me, was he baptized also in the name of Jesus? And I wasn't sure. So then I said, will it hurt me? No, it won't hurt. I can get baptized. So I went with him. I wasn't prepared about baptism because all people, all the people had known about this and they were ready for the baptism. Yeah. They, they'd been told that they were, they were going to have a baptism session. But I didn't have any of those clothes to change. You know, when you just come into a meeting and you're dressed up nicely and you have no, you're not prepared. So I followed the crew. I followed the group where they were going to be baptized. And I asked for another brother to just give me his clothes after he got baptized. And I said, okay, can you, can you give me those clothes? I'm going to use your clothes. Uh, to get baptized because they are already wet. And then we were to exchange those clothes in that pool. And I got baptized. Uh, then I told him, uh, I asked, I began to ask him a lot of things. And he says, no, you know, we are going to have a meeting in Bulawayo. And that's about 700 kilometers from where I was with him. That's about uh, maybe seven hours drive. And I decided, okay, I'm going to follow you. I'll drive my vehicle. I'll come to where you're meeting where you're meeting other brothers and where you're going to teach them. It was, it was unfortunate that he then says, you know what? Uh, we don't have fuel for you. We don't have fuel or maybe petrol for you to put in your, in your vehicle. You know, like you call it gas there. You don't have gas for you. Then I said, no, I'm going to use my own gas. Then he says, uh, we also don't have a seat for you. Uh, in that room because they are all filled. And I said, okay, I can sit on a corner. Wherever you're going to put me, I'm just going to sit on a corner and and hear what you, you teach. I want this truth further. I want to learn more about this. So it, it's it's unlike here in uh, where, I, where I come from that people can, can make that commitment and drive maybe for about seven to 10 hours to just follow somebody whom they've just met because it was just two hours. I had only attended the meeting for two hours. Let me get yeah. some clarity here. So you attended the truth conference in Mutari on the final day. And from Mutari on that same trip, Bishop Brigham went to Bulawayo and you followed him on the same trip on like the next day. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's what, wow. That's what happened. It was just two hours in the meeting, and then I got to all to know all that. And then he told me he's driving to Blawayo. And I told him, I'm following you the following day. I'll be with you then in Blawayo. I don't know if he believed, but I'm sure 
he didn't <laughs> believe that all of those. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, as you can imagine, there's a lot of folks down there that say a lot of things. So I'm sure you can imagine why he questioned. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that. I know. Yes, I made it to Blue Oil and uh, I attended the session and I, I was very observant and very inquisitive, very inquisitive about a lot of things. I, was, I would ask a lot of questions desiring to get clarity. I would request booklets, uh, documentation where everything was, was laid out and I wanted to follow it completely. So from May of 2018, so more than three years ago, how did you, I guess, update all the information that you had received before? I understand when you're sitting at the truth conference and Bishop is preaching the word and under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost revelation, I've been in those sessions where the Holy Ghost truly provides divine revelation uh, to the hearers. And so, so when you leave that, leave that service where you receive revelation and accept the truth and you repent in the next hour or so and are baptized in Jesus' name, um, you've made a commitment. So how, how did you take the, that information and how did that impact what you already believed and all the education that you had gone through and studied? Yeah, you, you know, you would begin to correct yourself and align yourself to the truth that you had known because it was more like scales that had been removed from my eyes. Yeah. Uh, I began to apply it in my own personal life. And I went to preach it straight away to my church and have to have, have, to have everybody, uh, everyone in the church get baptized again. And I remember, you know, some of them, I was the one who baptized them. They had, wow. they had lived through my life. Yeah. So I had to baptize them first time. The second time I had to come back and tell them, you know what? Uh, there were some missing aspects on the gospel that I preached to you. Wow. And this is the of it. And then I had to baptize them again. And I had raised leaders and a lot of people. And uh, I told them, you need to be baptized. And they all came for another big baptism. Im imagine people that you have ministered to for several years. And you tell them, you need to be baptized again, because this is the correct way. And this is the biblical way. Yeah. And this is the truth that they have, they have to follow. How many did you have in the church at that time? Do you remember? Yeah. This is, a, this is a, an assembly that I planted, and I, I, I now was the one who, who was pastoring it as, the, as, the, as an apostle for that church. So I had about, we had about 35 members then. They, we called them all for the baptism. That is incredible. And they all willingly complied, or did, did you go through a series of lessons teaching them prior to that, or, or what was that transition like for them? Yeah, I had to do a series of trainings, teachings actually, and them asking questions and getting clarity. It, I had to do a series of training and then planned for, for a baptism. I had to buy the pool because I had seen the one that uh, Bishop was using when he came around. So I had to buy the similar pool to make it easy for people to be baptized. Wow. Well, what an experience. I mean, I'm sure that that was an opportunity to dive in deeper and to learn about this new doctrine, this uh, really the original doctrine, not a new doctrine, but the original doctrine, you had to dive in and 
understand that more perfectly so that way you can communicate it to those in your assembly you know turning and making such a turn especially uh takes a lot of humility and a lot of obedience because uh, people would know you for certain things and then you need to be honest with your church and tell them no this is not the correct way we've done it yes but uh there's no strong biblical evidence something that was passed on to us through the theological trainings and uh you you just tell people that uh, i was wrong in this aspect and then they accept it and it was you it was actually uh, a humbling moment for me to have people listen to me again and then believe what i'm telling them at that moment and also prove it through the scriptures and um, i still don't know how that happened because that encounter for me changed a lot of things for my life. And I, I really want to thank God for that. Were there any other noticeable changes that you saw in yourself besides just doctrine, any other practical changes that you observed over the past three years since that conversion? Yes, you experience the power of God begins to move. Uh, you begin to have clarity in understanding the scriptures. Uh, you begin to have uh, some strong manifestations of the power of God in the, in, the, in the church, operation of the gifts in the Holy gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, even in, as you begin to uh, to follow a lot of teachings from Bishop, becoming a student in a, in in more sessions, because uh, his voice has become uh, actually very significant in my ministry and in what I do. So I just have this strong desire to keep on learning from him. I've have I've had those evidences of, of the of the power of God coming upon manifestations of the great power of God and great connections as much as I teach and interact with a lot of people that did not know about this same truth. What you just said is actually borne out in scripture, Romans 8, 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I've heard that testimony countless times. Individuals from denominal churches, once they receive and accept, believe and obey the truth, there is there is a witness of the Holy Ghost that they have not experienced before. And yes, yes. that that's the power that they feel at a genuinely apostolic at a genuinely apostolic church. When an individual mm-hmm. comes in from off the street, they come from a denominal background where they're used to going to church, going through the motions. It's all mechanics. There's no real power. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. They don't have the power. They can act as if they have the power. Charismatic churches, they behave as though there's power, but it's all, it's all emotion. It's emotive. They, they promote that emotion. And there's no genuine power. Again, just a form of it, a form of godliness, but no power. If they get a revelation of the truth like you did and just like you demonstrated in your testimony the spirit itself god's own spirit comes to testify this is one of my children and he goes on to say apostle paul goes on to say 817 romans if children then heirs heirs of god and joint heirs with christ all the power that belong to christ All of the earthly authority that he had belongs to those children of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. I digress there, but I just wanted to provide our listeners a little bit of scriptural reference to what Pastor Joseph just acknowledged in his own life and gave testimony of in his own life that 
the power of God came into his life and in not only in a spiritual way, but also in practical ways in giving him understanding, sorting out the scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. That's how we're going to interpret the scripture. We're going to interpret scripture with scripture. And you can't interpret scripture with scripture if you have a flawed understanding of scripture. But if you understand scripture the way that it was originally intended to be understood by the author, by God himself, then you can put those precepts upon precepts and those lines upon lines, and then begin to get a fuller understanding, a better understanding, a clearer understanding of the scripture. Brother Joseph, it's clear that the Lord is going to return very soon. We've we read that throughout scripture. His return is imminent. As you look in Zimbabwe itself, the degradation that's occurring in the government in Zimbabwe, the social and the economic impacts that you that no doubt you are experiencing there. And then COVID. Are there these are all items that are enumerated in the scripture as predictive of the Lord's return. So with that in mind, what is your primary goal? For the church, what's the name of the church there in Mutari? Uh, the name of the church in Mutari is uh, New Life Revelation. New Life Revelation. So, what is your goal for that church in Mutari and uh, the the local area? What is your primary goal in serving that community? This is one bit in that God has given me, and uh, is to reveal the, the fullness of Christ. So, in that church, we 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 preach and reveal reveal uh, to the people the fullness of Christ. And this is our mission and our mandate until Christ return, that people must know Christ and must know him completely. So with this aspect, with this also addition and, 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 and emphasis that we, we got to know about uh, the truth, it helps us to teach people uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, who he is and uh, what it means for them to be saved. And there's no time. People need to tend to the Lord and to know the Lord and repent and, and be baptized. Absolutely. X2, 38. Yes. Go on, brother. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier in our conversation, you mentioned that you have a specific love for prayer. Do you want to expound on that statement a little bit? Yeah, I, I, what I just believe and has helped me to grow my personal life is those personal devotional times when you're able to pray and to touch the throne of God, reaching out to God, knowing that uh, he is uh, the reward of them, of them that diligently seek him. And uh, I have seen it as a, as a strong pillar to a successful ministry, to a successful walk with God yes, sir. when you know when you know how to pray and rely on the power of God through praying and that has been the foundation and the basis of my ministry up to now yes sir absolutely that's a it's a fundamental concept that I think often is overlooked and certainly needs to be highlighted so I I appreciate you sharing that do you have any message that you would like to share with our audience today do you have anything personally that that's on your heart uh, thank you for that. For, thank you for this wonderful moment. And I believe uh, wherever my voice is reaching out to that it, it, when God has reached you with the truth, you don't need to take time. It is, it, is, it is of paramount importance that respond to the conviction 
of the message that have hit you and don't just listen to the message become the message that you have had whenever you hear the message become the message god wants us to become the message not to only hear the message and spread it but the best way and the best and great effective way is to become the message we embody the message bible says and and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst men we need to become the message i like how you said that when you feel the conviction you need to respond to it that's that's a man speaking from experience. The longer you sit and wait, the more you can do yourself a disservice. You, when you apply a man's intellect and logic to it, that's, that's how we get the Trinity in the first place. It was the Council of Nicaea. Men sat around in 8325 mm-hmm. discussing, oh, how can we make this more acceptable, mm-hmm. more palatable? And then they generated yes. this false doctrine. The longer that you sit and idle, hearing the truth but not obeying it, feeling the conviction but not responding to it, the more prone you are to produce error in your life. Pastor Joseph, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I, I want to meet you in person. I know you've met my brother. I know you met Pastor Stewart and Bishop Reagan, of course, and certainly many others. I would love to meet yes. you in person and uh, maintain contact with you if, if Bishop permits. And uh, I will be praying for you, your family. And your two young daughters. What's your daughter's name? Names? Uh, one is Elianai. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means uh, God of my eyes. And the other one is called Yasel. It means the handwork of God. Wow. Beautiful names. Again, I, I appreciate you making time, Dr. Joseph, for, for this conversation. I know you're a busy man. And I also know it's getting later right now. Is it midnight there now? Yeah, it's about almost 20, 30 minutes before, before 12 midnight. Well, uh, I... Thank you so much for being, for being patient with me. I know we, it looked like it was impossible for us to connect, but uh, thank you for being patient. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for making a point to do this. And God bless you so much. I will be praying for you, brother. Yeah, thank you. Uh, if you don't come, I will come there. All right. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> God bless. What a beautiful story. As I've done in most of the episodes in this sub-series, I would like to request prayer for Pastor Joseph and his family. This is a man who is faithfully executing the will of God in his life while remaining completely submitted to Him. It's one thing to claim that you're submitted to God and His ministry. It's another thing altogether to actually submit yourself. Brother Joseph is, is a demonstrable example of the results when you submit completely to God. Once again, I want to thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you to everyone who has joined us for today's podcast. We want you to know that we are here to help you in any way we can. If there is anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to contact us. Send your prayer request to prayer at olathetruth.com. That's prayer at olathetruth.com. If you live in the Kansas City metropolitan area, we invite you to join us for our services this week. Sunday morning at 10, Sunday evening at 6, and Tuesday evening at 7.30. For those who cannot attend, we will provide a live stream on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, and our website, olatethetruth.com live. 
Until our next podcast, take care and God bless.